Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 130 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have uh, Jethro Bins on the podcast. And before we uh, get into this interesting uh, podcast with him, I just want to wish uh, and hope everyone is healthy and, and safe out there in the COVID-19 shutdown. Uh, it's uh, been a really trying uh, past few uh, months, weeks for, for many people around the, the globe and in the squash community. Uh, it's a microcosm of that. Uh, just hope you were, we're all do, you're all doing okay. Uh, we're fine here so far. My daughter, my wife, myself, uh, we're getting along just fine. It's a bit uh, tricky, as you all know, but uh, we're trying to find ways to improve our lives under these circumstances. So uh, let's keep up the good fight, everyone. Uh, now, today on episode uh, 130, Jethro Bins returns. Uh, he was with me in one of my first episodes two years ago. I believe it was episode 12. And uh, he's back. Uh, Squash Skills actually has been quite good to the podcast. We had uh, Gary Nesbitt uh, just a few weeks ago and now Jethro. And uh, we're hoping to have a few, uh, have the Squash Kills uh, guys on regularly over the next uh, few months or so during the the shutdown. So uh, hopefully be working together with them. So we might hear a little bit more from Gary and uh, maybe Jesse Engelbrick will come on. Uh, Lee Drew, I'm not sure. But uh, Jethro is here with us today and we have a really interesting chat. Jethro had been away for a little while from Squash Skills. You may not have seen him. He was in Mexico uh, doing some fishing, and we talk about that uh, that escape that he had there. We talk a bit about Mexico. I have a, a couple of uh, trips myself to Mexico uh, back in the day, which were quite memorable, and a little bit of squash-related stuff there. Uh, we talk about that, and then uh, we get into... Uh, his thoughts on uh, how to stay squash sharp uh, over uh, during this period now. Uh, obviously, uh, cardio, strength, fitness training, uh, there's a lot of uh, intel out there in terms of that. But uh, squash skills, I think Jesse Engelbert has his own uh, uh, home squash video YouTube series that's up there. Uh, it seems fairly, you know, people people just hitting balls against the wall and things like that at targets. Uh, so we, we talk about uh, the value of all of that and, and the uh, sort of the impact that that can have on, on your game. Uh, we also get into uh, some of the new features on squash skills, which include uh, some really good pieces, uh, like a documentary type stuff uh, with Jonah and Joey Barrington and also Brian Patterson. There's something uh, in the works with, with regard to that. And uh, we've got some other interesting uh, discussions that we have in relation to the COVID-19 squash uh, uh, shutdown and how we can just stay and keep our minds on on the game and try to, uh, you know, improve ourselves uh, in other areas uh, that we may not uh, focus on uh, with our squash. So everyone, uh, episode 130 was a really good one. It, It was great to catch up with Jethro. Uh, here today on the In Squash podcast. Had a really good uh, podcast. It was awesome with uh, Cameron Pilly. About yeah. an hour and 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> and what, you didn't hit it? It didn't no, hit record? No. And then I tried to get to Zoom to sort of retrieve the, the audio file, but they weren't uh, not capable of doing that, I, I guess. Oh, oh, well. That's only happened uh, that time. <laughs> okay. Well, make sure you hit that record button. There it is. We're, we're recording. Uh, 
So Jethro, good to see you and uh, welcome back. It's been, uh, I guess, episode 12. That was two years ago. Uh, wow. It was the first time. Unbelievable, yeah? Seems like yesterday. A lot's happened in two years, right? Yeah, a lot's happened. <laughs> uh, a lot's happened. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, you're still doing good stuff with squash skills there. I've had Jesse and Gary, um, Lee Drew has been on. So the squash skills uh, people uh, have been very good to... Uh, to my podcast. So th thanks so much for joining me again, Jeff. Oh, no problem. It's, uh, it's great to be here. It's yeah. uh, all the, all the names and faces that you've, you've had in the last two years, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty much the who's who, right? Yeah. Well, I've been trying, you know, uh, I, you know, I also, I don't want to get caught up in all of that either. You know, I had, I've had some friends on just from back in Canada, guys that I've grew, grown up playing with and they've turned into like some of the funniest uh, yeah. episodes. I mean, for me personally, you, I mean, people who wouldn't know us wouldn't think it maybe it's funny, but uh, th those are, are the good ones as well. So I, I try not to get caught up, but you can't, if you love the game, you know, if a guy like Gregory Galche suddenly just says, yes, I will come. <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Let's <Absolutely>. do it. Absolutely. <laughs> No, indeed. No, it's great. It's great what you're doing. You know, there's lots of stories to tell. I think that's the thing we've been realizing um, here at Squash Skills. You know, there's there's so many stories to tell within the squash world. So it's it's great that you know you're you're helping tell them. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you guys, uh, you guys have got some. Given the the situation now, uh, it seems that that's one of the ways that we can keep our eye on the ball is by uh, telling stories and sort of you know listening to people like uh, we'll get to this later you know Jonah Bear, Jonah and Joey talking about uh, just some fascinating stuff there I was listening to it earlier and um, you know lot, lots of people coming up with their, their squash stories but uh, before we get into that uh, you uh, I have uh, been to Mexico twice uh, in my life both uh, in, while I was in university I did the Gulf Coast uh, at the time, it would have been in the early 90s, late, yeah, early 90s, we, uh, we ventured down to uh, Playa del Carmen. We skipped Cancun. Uh, and at yeah. that time, we were sleeping in hammocks on a beach for a dollar a night, right? So uh, yeah. I think it's blown up a bit. Uh, Cozumel was just across the way. And uh, then we took a third-class bus down to um, what was it? Where? Uh, Las Margaritas in Chiapas right. yeah and that, that was a lot of fun but you just got back I'm not really into fishing but I saw some of the pictures you had there uh, looks like you had an amazing time I did I did I had um, yeah 2019 was a, a funny year for me personally um, went through some personal stuff went through a divorce ultimately um, oh. so I treated myself to to six weeks uh, six weeks in Mexico just went and had a break I'd, Kind of been focusing on squash skills for for nine years as well, and yeah. uh, just just felt it was needed. Um, yeah. So yeah, just went and spent six weeks fishing my way around Yucatan Peninsula, and yeah, it was it was great. It was nice not to not to have a head down in a laptop or be anywhere near a squash court for uh, yeah. for a while. So yeah, no, Mexico was Mexico was great. My only concern was waking up and wondering what fish I wanted to catch and where I wanted to go and catch it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And Living the it. life of Jimmy Buffett down there. Yeah, yeah. No, it was dreamy. It was dreamy. But it seems, God, it seems a long time ago. I got back on December the 19th. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, world has 
changed significantly. Oh, one hundred percent. It's uh, it's really, yeah, it's really unfortunate what we're going through, uh, especially given the fact you know you you watch all these TED talks like the the, the Bill Gates one. I don't know if you saw that one from twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. where he pretty much uh, laid out the recipe for you know to to deal with this, and no one listened. <laughs> the time sights no. off, you know, twenty twenty, but uh, yeah, no. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's certainly an interesting time. I don't know. There's not there's not a particularly unified approach either at the moment, is there, across no, no. the different countries. So yeah, certainly challenging times ahead and you know, I'm not sure the end is the end is in sight at this stage. But unfortunately uh, for us, for the for us uh, squash uh, fanatics and uh, you know, for the likes of uh, you know, yourselves and you know, people who make a living off the game, uh, we're gonna have to uh, you know uh, knuckle down here and try to get through it the best we can which is why we're doing this and what you're doing and I think what a lot of people are doing now just putting uh, squash community kind of gets to get really works well together doesn't it that way I mean you got you go to YouTube or YouTube or face all social media there's everyone posting different things uh, about what they're doing uh, nowadays in order to stay so you know connected to the game let's say I think that we, we reacted pretty quickly. I think um, we thought, what does the community need mm. uh, off the back of it? Um, and and our, our attention really is just has turned to the home training, the home exercising. Yeah. Uh, Jesse's, I don't know if you've, you've seen the stuff with Jesse with the ball skill development. Yeah, I saw and, the, the, the YouTube home in the kitchen stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're trying. And then, you know, on top of that, we've obviously got the interviews and the documentaries that, we're keen to push this entertainment, um, but fundamentally, it's about you know, you use the word, it's the sense of community. Yeah, no, I think that's that's been the thing that's been really highlighted uh, since since all this has happened is that you know the squash community wants to, we're all squash players ultimately, and everybody is craving getting back onto the court. Um, but we reacted pretty quickly uh, as mm. an organisation. We thought, you know, how can we? How can we support players when they're not able to get get onto the court? So we've you know we turned our attention to the home training stuff with Gary uh, on the physical side of things, and then obviously the ball skill development side of things with Jesse. You've got him hitting hitting squash balls around the kitchen, uh, <laughs> and then and we just launched a new initiative actually is the the squash skills training club, uh, which is really nice. It's uh, it's a group of about sixteen people. Gary's put a training diary together. Uh, you know, across the week, uh, people are using Google Google Sheets, uh, mm-hmm. and then WhatsApp, just giving people this kind of sense of well, community, and then all motivating each other to get on and do the sessions, and they're posting selfies. So we've kind of created this virtual virtual squash club, if you like, despite the fact that nobody's yeah. hitting balls. But um, you know, I think that's that's what we've got to do through this. Is you know, one day we will all get back on the squash court, but but for now we, you know we're certainly just focused on on trying to help people stay fit at home and and give them that connection and and then we've obviously got the the interviews and the documentaries um that we're we just just launched joey and jonah uh, yeah really yeah. interesting pieces coming out on yeah that's what i wanted i wanted to start with that i mean uh, uh, definitely squash skills has done you know you know quite a bit to to keep the squash community together and to provide us with a lot of stuff. So just beginning with, um, you know, you guys have some very inspiring uh, content up now, as you alluded to, 
but uh, you know, in terms of the nostalgia and the bit of squash, uh, squash history, there's no nothing uh, better than to listen to uh, to Jonah Barrington, and, and of course with Joey uh, uh, sort of uh, leading the way there too. And I've seen a bit of uh, what they were talking about earlier today, and the, I mean, you have to admit, there's nothing quite like listening to uh, to Jonah talking about squash, is there? No, absolutely. That um, that day when we were in Jonah's garden recording that, and you you were there, were you, uh, Jethro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. yeah. No, we went down, and we've done. We did a couple. So we did the one on solo practice. Oh, sorry, we did the one on ghosting, and then we've done the one on solo practice. But it was just a lovely kind of September day, and was just just sat there at the end of the day, just looking over Glastonbury tour in Jonah's garden, just having a, having a chat with him. And I just, you know, reflecting on it, it was just like, this, this doesn't feel like work, you know, just, just stood here chatting to, yeah. you know, a true legend of the game and just listening to him talk is so inspiring. Um, so it, it just made sense to kind of get Joey in to do that. Cause you see, you see how they bounce off each other and yeah. they, they know how to kind of, wind each other they've got both got fantastic senses of humor and they kind of bring the best out uh, in each other well it's been so, yeah. a couple of times on, on the podcast i think uh paul johnson first uh, mentioned it when he came on about the, uh, the ghosting in in the uh in the underwear uh, in <laughs> the back it. garden so obviously uh, that came uh, that came out in this uh, episode <laughs> where joey uh, relived that uh, again uh, in the back he doesn't garden. need any excuses right to get his top off no, no. Any, any, <laughs> any, any excuse, right? So, yeah, when we suggested, oh, you really do need you in the pants. He was, he was, uh, yeah, he was straight, straight down. But, I mean, uh, it may have sounded, uh, actually, yeah, it, it was funny. I, I mentioned earlier I went to, um, to uh, uh, Playa del Carmen. It was back in the early 90s. And the first time I'd went, it, it, I just... Uh, qualified. I just made the Nova Scotia, I guess you would call a county, uh, provincial squash team. And about three weeks after I was to re after I returned from Mexico, uh, we had the national championship. So the coach was not very pleased that I decided mm -hmm. to go down there. But I remember at that time, every morning I'd, I was ghosting on on the beach. That was yeah. back in the early '90s, right? So, I mean, that, I mean, this is not new. Uh, obviously, uh, Jonah was doing it back in the day. So, yeah, well, it makes sense, and you're seeing it now more and more, right? There's so many, so many videos up on social media now of people just being innovative and ghosting on rooftops or ghosting in car parks. We've had multiple messages of people just making the best of what they've got, right? So, um, but yeah, yeah I, I think if I was going to be ghosting anywhere, ghosting in, on a beach in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 right? yeah, with a couple of dos equis and a, and a bucket <laughs> full of ice. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Uh, for when you finish, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, now there was something there in that piece uh, about at the on, on the piece on uh, ghosting that Jonah mentioned, and I think there's a lot of uh, truth to it. Uh, the he brought up uh, court sprints. And how we mentioned uh, it was a recipe uh, for disaster for for many. Just j and, and Jonah sort of, uh, sorry, uh, Joey sort of uh, confirmed that with what he said. But uh, what's your take? I mean, I mean, you've probably been around long enough to have done your fair share of court sprints back in the day. I know I did uh, for a period there, and uh, I never really felt I never really felt like painful at the time. But uh, probably wasn't all that that good for me. 
No, I mean, I think Jeff, Joey summed it up quite nicely. He said it's always, you know, the concept in itself is, is a very strange one. Uh, but I, I guess with, you know, with decent technique, uh, you know, it's got to be controlling that that weight at the end of the movement, right? Yeah, You've got to not be collapsing or. You know, no, and that's what I was doing. I, I remember our coach uh, back then. He was telling us we had to get down low and touch the the tin, the tape on the top of the mm. tin. You know, it was a yeah, old school, I mean, it, old school. Look, it's ultimately you're on a sprung floor, right? And it's replicates some kind of squash specific movement in that you're controlling your body weight and you're going in and out of corners. So. You know, it can't be all bad, uh, but I'm guessing you know, squash is a tough sport on the body. So do we want to keep pounding? Are there more effective ways to train? Are there smarter ways to train? Absolutely. But equally, you know, look at the way David Palmer trained or Absolutely. how many court sprints he did. It's, you know, from a men mental standpoint, you know, they're hard, they're unforgiving you know you get you get out what you put in right yeah i think so, i think with court sprints too like like he did that bleep test with the outstanding uh, i forget how many he managed to get through but i think he did it like for five games of squash or something right, yeah I forget yeah uh, but uh, i mean having said all of that i mean when you're on the court and doing these uh, court sprints you're actually on the court you're probably at the same time you know you're you're in the in the squash court so that that's got to have some sort of psychological uh, positive impact uh, you would think i think it makes you mentally tough right it's going to make you mentally resilient if you're grinding out court sprint after court sprint you're yeah. going to have a certain amount of mental toughness and mental resilience you know and there's no escape they're hard yeah. you know you've got yeah. that number you've got 22 whether it's 20 22 24 whatever you're aiming for you know against the clock it's not going away um so they, they keep you honest and you know, there's no doubt about it you're going to end up squash fit if you're if you're doing court sprints your body might fall apart ultimately but as yeah, say, i don't think it's not... a good idea for uh anyone over the age of 40. yeah again quite quite possibly i it's about building up right i wouldn't go yeah. in and advocate doing 10 sets of 20 if you haven't done court sprints <laughs> for a long time but you know, easing in, doing a couple of sets. It's, it's like anything, you know, I've just started running again mm. uh, now since we haven't been able to do any training and, you know, you ease in with a 20 minute run and the next thing you know, you're at 25 and, you know, if you do it day by day, as long as you're smart yeah, and you just don't go and try and, you know, kill yourself on the first session. I think it's, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's, it's feasible, you know? Yeah. I just so, posted, uh, I think it was yesterday. I, I I've been, I started running about, again, about two months ago, but I, it was like three, four K. Now I'm, I'm at, I don't enjoy it after five K. I just don't mm -hmm. see the point. So it's a five K run for me, but I'm down to, uh, I got to 23, 32, uh, yesterday nice. for five K. So for me, that that's my best in like 10 years. So, um, I'm happy with that. I think a lot of people are trying to achieve these types of goals, you know, setting, setting goals, trying to, you know personal mm. best type of things yeah well it's going to be interesting isn't it what comes of this the way you know mm. obviously people are making the most of their their exercise time now aren't they when yeah. they've got i don't know what it's like in canada and in the states but we've got you know, limited to one lot of exercise a day and uh, you know, i think people are making the most of their runs so yeah, yeah it'll be interesting i think people it's it's a nice one to set a goal with set a target with isn't it and you can watch the watch the time yeah exactly 
Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm not allowed, we're not allowed really to go out in public. I, I live on a compound, so I just kind of run around the mm -hmm. facility and it's boring, but I mean, it could be worse. I, I, I just don't enjoy running on a treadmill. Though, no, much, but, no, that, um, I mean, if you were to break down a pure concept, you, you know, actually, if you were an alien and came down from outer space and you looked at court sprints versus running on a treadmill, I'm not sure which one you'd find a, uh, find stranger really just, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. on the spot and going nowhere yeah. or running headfirst into a brick wall and turning around. Yeah, I'd say running there. into a brick wall, they might go, oh <laughs> yes, that, that looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hard to know. Hard yeah. to know. That'd be interesting. Um, now, you, we talked about it briefly earlier, but uh, Jesse dropped his, uh, sec I think it was today, it was live, I saw a bit of it. Uh, mm -hmm. second squash at home of the squash at home series and he's done a great job with that uh, we've seen some others as well from the colombian cannonball uh, with his yep. dog in the background he's done a few <laughs> a few things and daryl selby with some trick shots uh some people uh, other players have posted uh trick shots and things like that i guess this is the way and that we can go in terms of trying to keep our technique alive if, if it if at all possible so um, in terms That's of Jesse's so. stuff, is that, is that uh, kind of what he's getting at? Or uh, I guess sort of moving towards uh, keeping your mind on the technical side of things, not necessarily, you know, yeah, I'm not sure one. how much, you know, you look, watch Daryl's clips of him hitting the ball left. Uh, what's he doing? He's hitting a ball left-handed through a toilet roll. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that how much that's focused on technique or how no, much. No, no, that, that's uh, more of his uh, trick, trickery, uh, <laughs> adding to his resume of trick shots. Yeah, oh, that's it exactly. Um, but no, <laughs> I mean Jesse's stuff. Like, I mean, in, even in Jonah's interview, actually, he, you know, this this one's all about solo practice, but he sums it up really nicely mm. by saying, as there's no reason a player can't go on, no matter what their age, um, improving their ball skill. You know, so and he talks about using solo practice as the means to do that, right? So he said, you go onto your forties, your fifties, your sixties. There's no, there's no reason your ball control can't keep getting better. Mm. And ultimately, that's about spending time on the squash court on your own. Uh, what we're advocating with with Jesse's stuff is really just understanding how you control the racket head, right? What the effect of the strings can have on the ball. Understanding how you manipulate your wrist, how you control the wrist to control the racket head. So. So it's not so much necessarily about technique or keeping your eye in. It really is ball skill development for me. And, and that's, mm. you look at the best players in the world, you look at Rami, you know, you look at the way Chaps hit ball. All those players would have spent an absolute huge amount of time on, on a squash court and they developed their ball skill. And a lot of that would have been from free form hitting. It wouldn't have just been structured up and down the wall drives you know it wouldn't have just be loads of rails it would have been trick shots it would be messing around it would have been top spin yeah, yeah. it would have been undercut definitely you get that impression from rami a lot i mean you know it's all sort of he he just liked to have fun out there with the solo uh, sessions absolutely. i think absolutely obviously yeah. he put in the time but uh, yeah. yeah and that's and that's what i you know i remember doing the same in university when i didn't necessarily always have somebody to to play with or train with just go up and do solo practice and a lot of it was free form um, just hitting balls, understanding what the strings did, hitting top spin shots. Yeah. And, and that's really what we're pushing uh, with Jesse's stuff. One, it's about getting your racket in your hand and feeling that connection to the squash court and, you know, just 
staving off boredom. But yeah. I guess the analogy is, would be like a guitarist, just for just sitting down and jamming, jamming, jamming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's look, it's not it's not exactly the same as as getting on court and playing a match or doing a full on extended solo practice, right? But you know, it helps you understand the effect of of the strings on the ball. It helps you understand how to control the racket head. So it's it's a combination of both. You know, we're not saying it's gonna instantly make you a load better squash player but it you know if you understand what the racket head does you're going to have more ball control well there i mean there's a lot of stuff that uh, i I just had i was going to say yeah uh shahid zaman came on and obviously his uncle kamar uh, kamar zaman uh was i guess had the nickname merlin i guess the the really Mm -hmm. crazy uh front court game and he was saying how back in the day when he was 10 11 years old his mother used to sew, sew together broken, like seamed, seamed up a, like broken squash balls. And he'd just spend the whole day on the squash court, not hitting it hard, but in the front courts, just fooling around with, with, the, with his wrist and with drop shots. And that, that's how that uh, sort of ha- how his game came to uh, develop, that, that front it's, court risky it's, game. It's no coincidence that he's one of the best ball strikers you know, around is it? You know, yeah. ultimately, it comes from from that ball skill development, understanding the racket head, understanding what the wrist does. You know, it's all it's all intrinsically linked. So, you know, for players at home now, if they if they can get the racket out a couple of times a week and develop that ball skill, it's gonna can't do any harm, right? It can only stand. No, good I mean, you see uh, what uh, what Jesse was doing with the uh, you know the front wall, side wall, volley thing. You can do that anywhere in the house. Absolutely. Well, as long as your your wife or your girlfriend is tolerant, right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know my wife. She, she I'd be there scrubbing the wall for, for two hours after. <laughs> it's gone, honey, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, there's plenty of right angles. Yeah, uh, right angle corners in the house. So. Yeah, there, there's all sorts, you know, Jesse's obviously been been pretty imaginative with it. And yeah, get get you know, set up some targets on the walls, you know. That's Do a it. little coupling, oh. yeah. yeah, mixing it up as well with the physical stuff. Uh, you know that you know. I think Miguel was doing some stuff with the racket, wasn't he? Uh, doing some planks and passing rackets side to side, and yeah, you know, there's ways to keep yourself entertained, get a little bit of a squash fix, and, and get a solid workout uh, as well. So, yeah. So, having sense. said all of that, I mean, obviously, I, I think if we were to talk this time next month, some something's going to have bound to have evolved and some, something would, would come up and it, it would replace what we're doing now as the, the next best thing. What, what do you see maybe as a, the best or closest viable substitute for keeping your, your racket sharp under, under these circus circumstances? I mean, that's hard. It's a tricky um, question. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess ghost, finding space for ghosting is so maybe taking the ball out of it to some extent is gonna is gonna help. Yeah. Uh, if you can find that space, you know, because ultimately it's all linked, right? Your movement and your and your swing. So if players are able to find some go, some some space to do some lunging and some some hitting there, that's um, that's gonna keep keep you in decent nick. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, I think yeah. like the physical side of it is going to be, I mean, we might see guys coming back. Uh, it'd be like a boxer having a 
six month training camp, right? The, everybody's going to come back like bulk, uh, you know, super, super fit, but uh, with no match play under their belts kind of thing. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting time to see how, how the top guys will adapt. Uh, you know, the reality is I'm sure it won't take too long. They're all going to be in the same boat. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I guess different people. But I, I guess, yeah, it would depend on where you're from. It, it, I mean, it depends on if you have access to the courts where you're, where you're situated, where, where you're, you know, you're not allowed to leave from. I'm not sure if any countries are still, still their squash facilities are, are open now or not. I think may, maybe uh, South Korea. They seem to have things under control. Um, mm. Another playing golf there now. Uh, I think people are sort of moved. I think they're still doing online uh, in the education side, but uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, but, I mean, but yeah, but, but South Korea's not really uh, knocking on the door of the, the top players in the world yet. So. No, not at the moment. I mean, it's going to be really interesting when the tour does start up again because I guess the lack of we've got all these nationalistic ideologies going on at the moment, right? And everybody's kind of fighting their own battles within their own countries and got tit yeah. for tat travel bans, right? So. It's going to be going to be interesting to see what you know, I know the, the PSA have plans to to try and get things started again August September, uh, but it'll be be really interesting to see what stage certain countries are at and if travel bans are in place, you know, and what restrictions are going to be in place within those countries. You know, are, are people going to be allowed in those centres or is it going to be outdoor exercise that's only allowed? So I think we you know we're in a massive stage of unknowns at the moment yeah. um, because every you know people are going to be under under different kind of quarantine rules i was chatting to ali farag a couple of days ago and you know i know they're not really allowed to leave the house a great deal but then you know in other places you can you can get out and do a couple you know plenty of exercise outside so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what does happen but i guess the one thing that you know those those talented squash players, you know, everybody's talented. The, the squash will come back quick enough. That that's the one thing you can yeah. guarantee. They might be a little bit rusty in terms of match play, but you know, they're not really going to be losing that. that yeah, it'll be skill. it'll be interesting, like you say, when everyone comes back. Uh, who hits the the ground uh, running faster and better and more efficiently? Mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly going to be um, fascinating to watch, but also just yeah. We don't know when. It's, it's yeah. very strange times ahead for the, for the yeah, well, tour, I guess. Yeah, I'd say you know, we're looking at September if we're lucky. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the autumn. Yeah, I mean, it all depends what happens with the second wave, doesn't it, going into autumn? That was the, the big thing over here, was looking at this herd immunity yeah. in the UK to lower the spike uh, going into autumn, winter. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the rules are, whether we're in and out of kind of lockdown status for the rest of the year or whether life gets back to normal. It's um, you know, it's going to yeah. have profound effects on on the world tour for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. Well, um, I have a, a couple of ideas I'd like to throw at you and let, let me I'd like to hear what you think. So we're not going to be getting out on court, but we can still sort of quote unquote get out on court in other ways. And we've talked a little bit about it, but here, here are my thoughts. Here's my first thought. Um, uh, writing a, a daily diary of your, uh, of your memorable squash matches over 
the course of your your squash career. So I was, you know, just thinking, okay, the, the ones you've won, the ones you've lost, the ones you remember, maybe rallies or things like that. Just to keep your mind on your own game. What what, what do you think mm-hmm. about that? That's always a always going to be a nice idea if you can think about you know bring back happy memories and think about what you're doing well. Uh, I think anytime you're able to reflect on on your squash, you know, it's going to be a good thing if this is a time for some deep thought and really thinking about your own game, mm-hmm. where your strengths and weaknesses lie, what your opponent's good at doing, what they're, what they're bad at doing. I think that's, that's always great. I guess the question would be how, how fresh they are in your mind at this stage. But yeah. Usually you know, the, the losses are very fresh. Uh, I've, I've, I've got quite a few. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write well, about... Maybe you should uh, work on that, Jerry. <laughs> maybe yeah. those maybe there's some work to done needs to be done on on letting go of those yeah <laughs> yeah so that, that yeah that could be something yeah letting go uh, there are a few that that I'd like to sort of write out and sort of maybe embellish a little bit and add some hyperbole yeah. there but uh, yeah I think that yeah that that would be that would be an option just to keep keep your eye on the ball sure. keep your mind on the game uh, and also looking at your own introspectively looking at your own game mm-hmm. yeah 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 w- without doubt yeah another another uh, obviously another option would be uh to tune into some of the classic matches over the years on squash tv or or on youtube watch uh, watch some of the 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 legends play get, get for example a guy maybe the younger generation they they obviously they know of him, but may not have watched him as much as say the the, the current uh, top dogs. But like a guy like Amr Shabana, even Peter Nickel, uh, guys like that who really just legends of the game and played it the right way. Without doubt, I mean, there's there's so much we can learn from those guys. Um, it's interesting watching watching back some of the really old stuff as well you know i mean, mm. I mean jan shere khan i mean i was watching him the other i think it was jamie maddox from squash stories he posted um it was jan Shire and maybe peter uh peter nickel were playing and just his movement oh, oh no it was jan Shire and simon park and his movement around the <laughs> court was just just absolutely incredible it looked like he wasn't even trying and he was getting to everything just, just- <laughs> just walking around the court. I mean, just walk, yeah, walk, literally walking. Like, <laughs> yeah. can you yeah, explain that? Really, I think it's got to come down to to reading the game, you know, uh, yeah. more than anything. Uh, just seeing it earlier than everybody else, being under less pressure. You know, there's no doubt he could move when he needed to. He had a yeah. Great well, he was pouncing on balls in the front of the court. He was getting there quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's just epic to watch. Um, I mean, Ali, I think Ali's the closest thing we've got to him in the modern day, isn't he? In terms yeah. of movement efficiency and you know that that kind of he's tall and tall and lean. But yeah, there's there's so much to learn from all of those players. It's I mean, it's fascinating to watch how you know the desire to volley now is so much greater than it yeah. was, right? Yeah. Um, but the fundamentals of the game are are still very much the same and you know any aspiring squash player or, or squash geek or squash nerd should you know spend some time going back through the archives and and understanding how the game has evolved because it's you know it's fascinating uh, are there uh, other players i mean those are guys that come to mind obviously i'm a huge jonathan power fan but uh, any other any players that you would uh, recommend watching uh, one guy 
I remember even when I was, it was in the mid eighties or late eighties and I got mm -hmm. to see, and you know, footage was obviously, uh, you didn't, it was hard to come by back then, but I did get to see Chris Robertson play and uh, man, mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he, ta he, he was a very, very strong attacking player and he moved well. And uh, I tried to mimic a lot of his, uh, you know, ability to cut the ball short and uh, that, that really helped my game. Uh, uh, is there any other players like that that you could uh, maybe recommend? Yeah, I mean, if, who would I would? Rodney Martin is a really interesting one to watch because he was one that kind of changed the way that length was here. Uh, mm. So I think when you start looking at players around that era, suddenly that, that really attacking dying length uh, came into the game. And I think that was down to, to Rodney Martin. Uh, the way he hit the ball. So that was a kind of a, a shift in the way that the game was played then. Uh, Peter Marshall, I think, is a, yeah. is a really fascinating one to watch, obviously, with with two hands. And then again, you talk about dying length. I mean, for me... He well, his was, length was uh, was pretty much perfect. Exceptional, yeah. I mean, I, I had the pleasure of, of training with, with, with Marsh a bit when he was... Um, well, I was coming through university and he would have been about my age now, I guess, 35, 36. That sounds um, like fun. <laughs> I bet, I bet it was yeah. pretty painful. <laughs> uh, it, uh, yeah, I'd never beat him, actually. We used to have absolute battles. He used to get very frustrated. We'd have a hard rally and then he'd, he'd end up kicking. I was, I was pretty fit at the time and then he'd just be kicking the ball around the court and he'd be like, come on, Marsh, serve. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, just dealing with the length. I mean, actually, the two players are really disliked playing the most but probably probably marsh and then david evans actually Welsh right. david oh, evans, oh that, that guy i love i love i mean he just natural uh, striker of the ball again yeah i mean again it all stemmed from length hitting the one thing about about dave is his ability to hit down on the ball so yeah. uh you know he's tall uh, but the way he hits it's all about timing isn't it his timing was perfect timing, timing but he had a quite tucked up backhand as well if you watch his elbows quite tucked into his body so he was yeah. actually able to be very deceptive on you didn't know if it was a drop a drive or a boast coming particularly on that backhand side but then his length from either side he was always making the ball dip onto the back wall it was always fading away so if you weren't able to cut the ball off then you'd be invariably just lifting up underneath the ball or playing a boast dealing with that dipping ball off the back corner and then he's you know obviously so tall and just just took control of the middle of the court and then dictated play from there so so yeah Rod, i'd say rodney martin peter marshall and david evans are, are certainly um ones to watch from you know well all, all around a, a solid yeah. length base ultimately yeah a guy that uh, before when i was still playing league squash up until just a few years ago uh before every league match i'd end up uh watching Amr Shabana play as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, for me, Shabs was, Shabs is the most complete, all-round perfect squash player there is, really. If you were going to coach somebody and you yeah. wanted them to, to play squash a certain way, I think, I think you'd pick Shabs from an all-round game, you know, just a, a wonderful backhand technique, that, yeah. that short, deceptive, kind of forehand swing, all that ability to shorten the swing up on the forehand, you know, just read it. So he, he, for me, he was pretty much the perfect squash player. So yeah, I loved his uh, little short volleys too. He, he, he wouldn't bring the racket all the way back. He'd kind of just kind of punch it, but yeah. with a really nice touch. On, um, yeah, it was, it was just so delicate. I mean, we always talked about developing shot. I remember doing playlists on the, on the on squash skills and 
developing shot options and trying to work shots in pairs. But then you'd be watching Shabs and it wasn't about working shots in pairs. He was working shots in fours or fives. You know, he had yeah. so many options from the same swing, the same setup. And people just, you don't know where the ball's gone until it's gone, you know, and then that just becomes incredibly hard, incredibly draining. You know, you can't step into a line early. You can't move on to the ball quickly. It's, it's yeah, just super hard. So, yeah, I mean, Shabs is a perfect squash player for me, really. 100%. Yeah. And um, just wondering, Jethro, uh, before we uh, sign off for the day, uh, uh, just what, what do you have in the hopper now? I know we talked a little bit about that, but uh, you personally, what's, uh, what, do we, what do you have in store uh, coming up uh, on squash skills and, and anything else that you have going on uh, with regards to squash? Yeah, so obviously it's interesting times at the moment with trying to understand what what everybody needs and what's how squash skills can help and what, what we need to offer. So in the short term, we're, we're focusing on the home training stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got, we've got the follow up to Joey and, and Jonah. So, so we've got some, some more yeah. of that. Uh, yeah. Then we've got a really, really nice uh, documentary that we filmed uh, with Brian Patterson and oh, great. city yeah. squash. Uh, that was beautiful. Actually. Um, we are, we're actually going to do, uh, so for those premiere. people who may not know Brian, I mean, obviously everyone in the UK will know who he is and squash lifers might know, but uh, who is uh, Brian Patterson? Well, Brian Patterson was from Jonah's era, actually. He was, uh, he was, he went professional uh, with, with Jonah back in the day. And then he had to get, he was England national coach, but then he went over to the States and he was pretty much the first professional squash coach in the States. He went over in the nineties. Okay. And he uh, he ended up being the first coach at City Squash, uh, which was the first kind of urban program in the state. So he's kind of the the original mm-hmm. coach uh, over there. And right. uh, yeah, he's he's just a wonderful guy. So we we made this documentary. Well, it was we did this interview with him uh, in the UK, and we talked about the urban programs. And then we were over in the US last summer doing some more filming. And we said, oh, we should really speak to, to Tim Wyant, who's the head of, yeah. of SEA. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did an interview with him. And then we said, oh, do you know what? It'd be really great if we could just get some footage of the kids playing. So we, we met Brian uh, and the kids. And we did some interview with the kids. And what's now come together is this lovely documentary, which is kind of the history of of the urban programs, the history of city squash, and, and uh, you know a bit of a history about Brian and his his journey through coaching, and then the good that squash is doing within the sport. So you know ultimately it's about squash changing lives. So we're we're working on a global digital premiere of that in in May, uh, right. working with, okay. with US Squash, with uh, the PSA Foundation, with City Squash. So we're going to be streaming that live. We feel everybody could could do with some some good news within or some feel good uh, vibes within the within the squash world so we're going to be be streaming that uh, in about a month's time and it's been there's a still a, it's, it's a lovely film so there's still a lot of really good stuff there on, on uh, squash skills anyways you've got the uh, the malcolm willstrip uh, documentary which you did uh, you've got the, the i think you've got a piece or a, a bit of a documentary with uh, with uh, james willstrip as well uh, so there's, I mean, a lot of stuff uh, that we can delve into uh, there on squash skills uh, to get us through uh, and to keep our minds uh, think, sort of on the game. 
Yeah, there's definitely that entertainment aspect on there. The Paul, you know, Paul Cole documentary, Malcolm interview, Jonah yeah. interview. So, so we're trying to strike this balance uh, of, of you know keeping that connection to the squash world and and then also giving people the you know some guidance through their through their training at home. So, so yeah, squash skills is is busy. We're we're hectic. I'm also working on this other project, which is which is squash levels. Oh yeah, what is, what's that all about, uh, Jether? So squash levels is 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 pretty huge amongst the squash community in the UK. Uh, mm. It's I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, Jerry. No, I, I'm not. No, is it is so, it akin to what they have in the US? Uh, it's it's different in the it's what it is. It's it's a squash rating, so yeah. it's it's got all the PSA results in there. But anybody that plays a box league or a local tournament their results can end up in the system. Uh, and so Richard Bickers founded it. Uh, he's a guy, he's actually also from Bristol, he founded it in 2015. Mm-hmm. And he's he, he's a developer and he's worked incredibly hard uh, to create this system that ultimately gives everybody in there a, a playing level and how the level is calculated is based on, yeah. it's an every point counts system. So. If you and I were to play and I was supposed to win 11-4, 11-4, 11-4, that's because my, my level is 7,500 and yours is 3,500, for example. Right. Uh, but it ended up being 11-8, 11-8, 11-8. You've actually done pretty much twice as well as you were supposed to. So oh, this, is level, this is brilliant. Uh, it's, it's like uh, like having a golf handicap system. It's, it, yeah, it's really, really similar. So your level goes up, mine comes down, and you get this really, really accurate performance, mm. uh, performance tracking tool. So, so Richard did a fantastic job o- over you know four years of of building this within the UK to the point that there are ninety nine thousand players in the system, yeah. uh, and and all of them having levels. So you've got Ali Farah or Mohammed El Shabagi at the top with a, rate, uh, a level of sixty thousand. And then an absolute beginner at zero. So ultimately, you're kind of creating this, this ranking list for amateur players all the way yeah. all the way through to professional players. Uh, and it, it automatically pulls in these league results from these systems. So at the moment, he's hooked up to we're hooked up to forty different systems. And right. uh, you're, are you trying to get in through uh, national federations and, and things like that? Yeah, it's so it's UK focused at the moment, but a lot of it, you know, there's different. Uh, companies you know who provide these different services to to box leagues and tournaments so we're kind of yeah. working with them but we are working okay. with england squash uh, at this stage we're working we're talking to or we, re- we work with welsh squash and then and then swedish squash uh, and there's conversations going on with other national governing bodies but it's just a brilliant way of, of kind of creating this online community that actually is really addictive in that people are obsessed by it because every point counts and every match goes into the into the system so they they get like this real time adjustment yeah. of their levels and in and in, in england now uh, team pick team selections are generally done off squash levels you know off okay you're playing your local team they just there's no quibbles or no arguments because it's just well what's your current squash level so if so, i were to play you know just someone uh, visits uh, dubai and you know we end up playing and he is uh, we have a match and we enter our results that could uh, that that will auto- automatically update and affect our yeah you our can, ranking so to, so to speak yeah as long as one of you has a, a level or has played somebody that's got a level 
yeah. then it, it can adjust. So we've got lots of plans. We want to put in provisional levels so mm-hmm. that you know, friendlies can count. Um, and we ultimately we want to be able to put search functionality where I'm, you know, I'm going to London. I want to find somebody to play, right? Who's about my level in London, and then you know, put functionality within there so you can you can find those players. So, so we just we just went through a big rebrand and a redesign of the website this year. And I mean, we launched <laughs> we launched it about 28 days ago. The new site, okay. and it's a system that ultimately relies on squash results going into. Um, People entering the scores, basically. Well, well, they don't have to enter the scores because it's actually it's the automatic sync to the 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 tournament software. So nobody has to enter stuff in. But if it were a social uh, situation, yeah, they yeah you can do for sure. But uh, I mean, the timing's just been terrible in that all the leagues have just (laughs) just stopped happening. Yeah, there's there's very few new um, new results going. It's definitely something to be excited about. I mean, I'm excited just listening. to it i it's, think it's great i think it's really uh you know positive uh it's going to be it's great for the game and mm. it's really exciting just having seen how popular it is in the uk with what was the old site uh you know the new site is is really usable looks great on mobile it's it's going to get better so I, yeah, I'm really excited by that as a project this year. It could so be if, if anyone changer. listening, if you know, you might, if anyone's interested in learning more about this, is there a website or? A... Yeah, yeah, it's squashlevels.com. Okay, uh, you can you can get a feel for it. You can create a free account. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some really fun tools in there. We're just releasing. You can compare yourself to Ali Farag. And it will right. give you yeah. predicted predicted. No, I want I want to play you. I, I, I think 11, <laughs> I think I can do better than eleven four, eleven four, eleven four. <laughs> I know my well, fitness is right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can stick it in and see what see what it predicts, and then when we um, you know, when we we'll we'll make it happen, Jerry. We'll go on court and have a run round for sure at some point. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, uh, Jethro, it was great catching up with you, and uh, I really appreciate. And I know the squash community does everything that you guys are doing uh, at Squash Skills. Uh, so keep it up, and I'm looking forward to hopefully having uh, maybe um, Jesse on in, in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping to have uh, Squash you guys at Squash Skills on uh, every now and then over over this uh, difficult time. And I appreciate great. you uh, coming on today. No, well, thanks very much for for having me, and uh, you know, likewise, thanks for for providing some census community through uh, through these difficult times. Jethro, that was amazing. Really enjoyed catching up with him. It's been a while since episode twelve, and with any luck, we'll have him on again over the next uh, few weeks. As uh, as I mentioned, the squash skills team. I'm hopefully going to be working uh, a little bit with them over the the period now over this COVID shutdown period, and we'll have. Uh, Jesse, Jethro, Gary, and uh, a few of the others, hopefully on the podcast. Even Peter. Peter and I had a, had a discussion. We're talking about a June appearance, so wouldn't that be awesome uh, to have Peter Nickel on uh, sometime in the early summer? But um, anyway, stay tuned for those. But before that, uh, actually tomorrow, I'm hoping to uh, speak with Greg Loban. That'll be a great chat. Never spoken to him before. And Allison Waters at the end of the week. So the podcasts are just going to keep on coming, and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy those ones. Now, the most important thing, obviously, for everybody uh, is to stay safe, 
and stay healthy, stay indoors, and let's kick this ass, kick the ass of this uh, COVID uh, nineteen uh, spread, stem the spread, and let's get back on the squash court as soon as possible. Everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, stay tuned to this podcast. Uh, lots of interesting stuff coming up. Uh, please share it with your friends. Give it a like. Give it a review. Uh, send me your feedback. Always appreciate that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Goodbye now.